This is the Very Black Male Podcast. My name is A.B. Lovelady. Uh, this is the podcast where I interview interesting people. I mean, you know, find out what they do, who they are, how they do what they do, why they do what they do, and try to deconstruct their whole lifestyle. Um, now we've got uh, part two with Philip Pyle, an artist out of Houston, Texas. Um, he's talking about his introduction to the uh, Houston art scene. The importance of having a plug. He explains what his thought process is and um, you know what type of writings inspire him. Um, and he also discusses how to price your art. And he gives a little bit of advice to some younger artists. And um, yeah, it's 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 looking good. This episode is sponsored by the Station Museum, who um, where I'm recording this actually right now, and you can hear them in the background, but. Without further ado, uh, Philip Powell. I was asking, yes, do you have a studio? Uh, at the, uh, I did work out of um, the uh, Delia's Lounge studio for a while, right at Project Row Houses. Yes. But most of my studio is contained on my MacBook because the majority of my work is like video work or uh, like digital uh, design. So I don't necessarily need like a like a place, a big, huge place to paint and make messes. You know? How did you? How did you? Um, how did you use the studio with? Uh, how did you get in, t- in contact with that studio? To the row houses. Uh, friend of mine, Greg Carter. He was in that studio um, before it became a laundromat. Like it's a laundromat, half studio now, but it used to be the original office of Project Row Houses. And upon Project Row House moving to the two-story. They just left that building kind of like vacant. And uh, Rick Lowe and Greg would use that place kind of like as their office until like Rick just stopped, you know, he started just going to the two story. Mm-hmm. And so Greg was by himself. And then uh, Rebea Baim moved in. And then uh, Robert Pruitt and Jamal Cyrus moved in. Mm-hmm. And so like all of those people were in the studio uh, upon like me coming back to Houston. And so I would just hang out there all the time. And me needing only my computer and, like, Internet access, that was like a... What, what programs do you use? Uh, Photoshop, mostly. Photoshop, Premiere, I just kind of like Adobe. those two. Adobe yeah. Suite. Yeah. So you came back 2010. Mm-hmm. How did you meet Miss um, uh, Bain and... Robert and yeah, it was all through. It was all pr- pretty much through Greg. It was just like knowing Greg, hanging out with Greg. Greg's like, I'm at the studio, go to the studio, and then all of those people are there. You know what I mean? Like Pruitt's there, Rick Lowe's there, Rebea's there, and just like just meeting those people in that sort of way. I got kind of like a, a like like I got let in through the back door in I was terms say. of like getting to meet all of these people. Yeah, Michael Perantu, who was the um, he at the time he was working at Project Row House. Uh, he left Row House to go become the director of Art League Houston, and that's that's why uh, you know I get so much love from Art League Houston. But then also, um, uh, right, uh, Ashley Hoffman. She was the uh, art director at Row Houses at the time, and now she is over at Rothko, I believe. Or well, she might have just stepped down, but she was at the Rothko. And that was how I got a row house, right, like, in 2011. I was in round 36. 
and uh, like once you like you know once you start those things and you start those communications with those people, it just starts opening up more like avenues of you being able to meet more and more and more and more people. You, uh, your story is a lot different than a lot of the other um, black artists that are in the city, specifically because you know they. A lot of them knew each other from TSU and things like that. TSU, or um, high school, and all right. those kind of things. Yeah, they kind of came up together. You, and this is uh, you have a fast track. You're an outlier, <laughs> really. You definitely yeah. are an outlier in uh, the Black Art Society. But I'm going to ask you about um, how do you stay motivated? You know, and is there any any rituals that you do, like any type of things that you you know, do daily uh, that helps you stay motivated as an artist. I think uh, I think coming from that having that, that that sketch comedy background, you stay kind of motivated just by just seeing news and seeing things. Most motivation is just like the uh, like that quest of knowledge motivation. I say that's like the main motivation, just to know stuff, just to like want to know more things, and to and to. Uh, like wanting to know more things gives you that opportunity to like find things that become very interesting that you don't think everyone else knows. I'm so, or, huh? I'm sorry to interrupt, but huh? are there any you know what what sites do you visit? What books do oh. you read? You know? Oh, uh, I don't know if to I, to look for that. You know? Yeah, yeah, all that information. It's really it's like um, I I don't have like a necessary like a site I go to. I mean, it's just like you got to read the newspaper. I read the I, I I don't read the Times every day, but I read the Sunday Times. I'm always I, I try to read all of the Sunday Times, and then uh, just staying up on like any kind of um, like new books. The uh, the the Coates the new Coates book his his book like what's that? What's the name? Uh, Ta Nehisi Coates. His uh, book about he basically like telling his own story. Uh, you know and. I'm not familiar. Like, Who's Tanahisi Colts? Tanahisi, I think I might be saying his name wrong, but he uh, he's like a young writer, black writer. But uh, like the Michael Eric Dyson's, the Cornell West things that these guys are talking about. Of course, you know, you have like tons of stuff like James Baldwin said. And it's just uh, it's just a quest of knowledge in general. Like um, uh, Greg and I like, love to like do like YouTube. So, like when we just go through YouTube and just watch like ridiculous amounts of YouTube videos on everything, it's like so much information, random information you could get from YouTube. But I think it's just like it's just some sort of like random information gathering. And how do you how do you you know discern between stuff that is too cliche, you know, mm -hmm. that may be overused as a trope, or and you say, well, I yeah. don't want to do that again, or and stuff that you like. That's the that's the lick. Uh, how am I going to explain that differently? I think it's just uh, when I see something that I haven't seen before, and then think about like uh, retelling that whole thing. Um, a good example would be the show I have coming up. You know, here we go by plugs. But September twenty fifth at Fresh Arts, it's called Black Panther Party, Panther Power, and the whole show is basically a retelling of the Black Panthers, like reimagining. If the Panthers were uh, like galactic superheroes, instead of instead of just like what their story is, like like just wiping that whole thing clean, and instead they're like this superhero force protecting the whole globe. 
that sounds particularly unusual. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's like something you've never heard, you know. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, in a way it's like trying to focus on the good things that the Panthers were trying to do and then get and then show them in a whole new light of, like, as superheroes, which is... is uh, it would probably soften their image quite a bit. Right, right, but it's just like... I don't think we get, you know, it's just like, I don't think we get enough superheroes. We don't get enough, not even just superheroes, but just to make, um, like, these these real-life people and these real-life people and what they did and, like, take away, wipe away all of those, like, negative uh, things that were given to them and just focus on, like, the main thing that they were trying to do and then take that main thing and then put it in a new, like, suit or, like, a new... Uh, like polish it different. I know a lot of artists have um, different, I don't say agendas with mm-hmm. their you know their work. Right. Some hope to just make commentary. Right. Some hope to inspire. Uh, some hope to provide satire. What is what is uh, maybe your agenda with certain I works? I definitely know. I mean, uh, the satire is definitely strong always, but that's that's because of the comedy background. Such comedy background. Yeah, right. and. It's also, um, it's like, yeah, like a mix with that satire, but also just like we, we, um, we go to school and, you know, we're like, you know, you have to go to school. You have to go to middle school, elementary school, high school. But during that time, you miss out on so much of like this country's history and like what really happened. And you get it all polished over to like this, like this is what happened. And... Uh, I think that once, as a person that knows, or if you know something, I think you're like obligated to let others know. If you have a way of letting others know, in some aspect, you're supposed to like, you know, like let the truth be known in a way. And uh, I think from the very beginning, it was always this whole thing about like I just like to retell history or tell history, but put like my spin on whatever history is. Are there any... um, Are there any, like, uh, productivity, you know, tools or things like this that you use? Um, Like apps that really help you just, you know, uh, stay focused day to day? (laughs) No. No, I I play video games. What games do you play? uh, I play Clash of Clans. Okay. That is a very... I play that game. And then there's this other game called uh, Frontline which is made by the guys that make Fallout. Yeah. They have an app called The Vault, and it's basically like you just keep all of these people in this underground vault and, like, make them do little jobs. It's just I just really play those two apps. And then on Xbox, I have been playing NBA 2K14, like, up to now. I've not played any of the new any ones. Any other games. Because uh, they had to create a player back in the day on 2K14. I created a player. You know, we won championships and everything. He has not retired from the NBA, and I will refuse to play any new ones because they didn't let you bring that person. You can't bring the player to yeah, a new game. which was complete idiocy to yeah, not bring this character to this next game. So I remain... We'll have to talk to them about that. Yeah, so I just play, I just play that one game until... That, and, that's, and that's basically... I say that, like, that, those are my two... Uh, those are my distraction things. Those... I don't want to say they help keep me focused, but they definitely, uh, you know, help to, like, relieve stress. Those are stress relievers. 
Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> because, well, that's good to know. But um, I want to talk about, um, lastly, because I know I'm getting close to my time here, um, and I don't want to use too much of your time, our business. You know, okay. You touched on a little bit about um, kind of how to approach uh, galleries and different things like this and negotiating kind of a show. Um, could you talk a little bit about when someone's looking at your art and they want to buy it? Mm-hmm. You know, what are some of the things that are well, going through your head? What are some of the things that's probably going through the buyer's head? And then how do you, you know, work out all the details? Well, I mean, if a person wants to buy it, I normally say, you know, they see how much it is, and then we say, uh, you know, I, I accept checks, or you can PayPal me. That's normally how that goes. And that's pretty much like that whole discussion. So the price is just usually always displayed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The price is supposed to be displayed either with your piece or in some sort of, like, on a paper that has, like, the pricing list of all the pieces in your show. How do you price your works? Um, I, I started with a price from my first show, and then once someone bought it at that price, then you just get to, like, gradually go up over time depending on, uh, like, where you exhibit and if you keep selling at that price or keep moving up, you know, it's just kind of like the stock market. Like, you know, you just can't just like just say what your value is, is like ridiculous. And, you know, it's all based on like... Sometimes I see artists do that and I just think that they just don't want anybody to buy it because they want to well, keep it. No, nah, no, nah, if you want to keep it, then that's what you do. I'll be like, this piece was 50 bucks, but this one's five grand. What just happened? Yeah, yeah, no, nah, yeah. If you have a 50 buck piece and a five grand piece, then obviously you are not trying to sell your five grand piece with a $50 piece in the same show. Okay. You know, that that is like, that's that's like lunacy. You obviously are trying to take that home with you. So you say it's like a stock market. You value it according to uh, kind of the interest that's been shown in your work. Interest has been shown. How much work you put into it. What are the materials of that actual piece, and how much time it took you to make that piece? You know. Okay. You know, like if you have a painting, and you have painted something, and then you have put a ton of gold leaf on top of it and it took you like hours upon hours to lay it all out and it looks immaculate you know that piece can cost more than the other ones based on that time and the materials and you know it's all pricing is based on those kind of things okay the scale if it's like if if this is um, I'm running down to my my last questions here if you had to um choose right Mm -hmm. and you're in the studio or you're in the editing booth uh what songs give me three songs would you listen to on repeat three songs on repeat to listen to oh man that's that's a tough just three it's hard can i just choose artists yeah artists is okay i'll say i choose three artists to listen to i would uh, i would have uh we would just let uh, and why okay we would just let wu-tang play because that's kind of like my uh that's that's like my mood music. I would let Wu Tang play. We're going to let like the Calm Me Down lady play. We'll let some uh, some Gladys Knight play. That's like my Calm Me Down from the Wu Tang. And then uh, and then and then to stay in a in a and to stay myself and just be able to like uh, like live in society. Let's just say Tribe Called Quest. Okay. We'll keep it like that. Uh, you see, all of my music is like early '90s I when it was that. at its height. Yeah, 
<laughs> the golden era of hip hop. All right. If you had any um, any advice to give to uh, uh, someone who's uh, working on their art and you know trying to uh, find their way, direction as an artist, you know whether it was like some philosophy quote that you keep and that you always remember, what would that be? I would say, well, I would say the main thing about your art is the message and getting really good at being able to explain what that message is that you're trying to convey through your artwork. Like, uh, like know exactly what you are trying to say through whatever piece, through each individual piece, it should all be able to explain each one. And then treat them like your children, so to, so to speak, you know, like each piece has like a like know exactly the message behind each one and be able to explain it, be able to write it out and be able to tell that same message to the black church lady and the the white guy drinking a beer, so, you know, coming up to your show talking about, I don't know what this is. Like, be able to explain the same message to both of those people. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about that accent that you just <laughs> did. Um, <laughs> Philip, thank you. Um, is there anything else that you just want to break off? You know, some knowledge, wisdom, Wu Tang uh, oh, no. philosophy before <laughs> no, no. we go. No, no, no other, uh, no other, no, no Wu Tang philosophy today. No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up right there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, that's everything. That's all. Um, that's kind of like a how-to guide in brief about how to put yourself in the right position uh, in the art world, and uh, you know. An introduction to Gladys Knight. <laughs> um, we appreciate Philip for sharing that with us, and uh, you know. But this is the end. Drink a lot of water. Uh, take care of yourself, and uh, tune in next time. One. <laughs>